Ladies and gentlemen, this is Road Warrior Animal from the Legion of Doom, and welcome to What A Rush Podcast. And today, our guest is none other than the phenomenal manager of professional wrestling, Precious Paul Ellering. And today is our second episode, people, so get ready for a wild ride. And you know what I got to say now? Tell them, Hawk! He's one half of the Road Warriors and the Legion of Doom, the most successful tag team in the world of professional wrestling. He held the AWA, NWA, WCW, and WWF titles. He snacked on danger and dined on death. He's Road Warrior Animal, Joe Laurinaitis, and this is the What A Rush Podcast. Now, here's your host, Joe Roderick. And welcome in to the second episode of the What A Rush podcast here on the STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Joe Roderick, joined alongside the WWE Hall of Famer. He is Joe Loriditis, Road Warrior Animal. What's going on, Joe? Joe, how you doing this fine, what is it, Wednesday? Wednesday morning? Wednesday afternoon. It's like Wednesday, 2 o'clock oh, now. It's a, I knew it was Wednesday <laughs> yeah. sometime, you know. Yeah, it's it's like two o'clock. Sorry, the the retired wrestling life must be nice. You don't even know what <laughs> yeah. time of day it is. Yeah, well, you know, hey, sometimes you just gotta kick backs and take it easy. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's uh, week one in the books for uh, for us. We made our debut into the podcast yeah. world and got a lot of nice feedback off of. What we put forth last week, and looking forward to uh, to seeing where this uh, where this adventure takes us. Yeah, that's one thing about the great wrestling fans out there, man. They love to hear great stories, and they like to be, like to hear things that went on in the wrestling business that they that they really didn't know about. And it's and it's it's great to be able to tell those stories now on podcast form. Yep. You know, so now you know, and we're looking forward to getting as many viewers or many listeners as we could possibly get. We want to see if we could be the number one podcast of all podcasts. We got some work to do uh, if we want to uh, do that. Bruce and Conrad are doing a hell of a job over there with uh, something to wrestle. Yeah, well, Conrad get ready, and Bruce Pritchard. I'm going to go back to the brother love days, bro, and we're going to take you over. How many times have you press slammed uh, Bruce Pritchard? You know, I never had to press slam Bruce, and Bruce is probably happy about that as well. As a matter of fact, I don't even think I press slammed his brother Tommy. You know, but uh, <laughs> we we were so busy press slamming 345-pound guys like the Godwins that we didn't have time to press Brother Love. Okay, so we need to figure out then who in the podcast world you've uh, you've gone and you've press slammed then. So, I mean, we, we know, you know, the top two guys, Stone Cold and Jericho, are two of the top ones. You've you've been in the ring with both of them. You weren't you I've were never, never in the ring I, with Stone Cold. Never, you I were never, in there I, with I, when he was in WCW, though. I've never wrestled Jericho, okay? <laughs> But I did wrestle Stone Cold okay. in WWF. You uh, did? Yeah, okay. Hawk and I wrestled Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels Okay. on an In Your House uh, video. So, uh, And we had a great match together, you know. Pretty good. You know, Stone Cold's a great athlete. Oh, come on. Yeah. You know, he and Shawn Michaels were the top dogs that time. We were the top babyface tag team, and uh, it was a great reaction by the fans. Okay, so we have those guys are in the uh, are in there. I'm trying. You know, going around, you got to think. I mean, Shivani, he was just an announcer. You wouldn't have done anything with him. Nah, poor Tony Shivani, bro. <laughs> He's kind of like you know, almost. I don't want to say comparable to Jimmy Cornette, but he was probably fragile in that way. I don't think Tony would appreciate a press slam. Yeah, Cornette's the one. Yeah, that you. You've, you've beat up on him quite a bit. Yeah, you know, God bless Jimmy. You know what I mean? Not a muscle in his body. But uh, I tell you what, one of the greatest speakers and talkers in our wrestling business. So, uh, you know, who has beat him up quite a bit is our guest on today's show. And that is your manager, your good longtime friend, Precious Paul Ellering, will be joining us in just a bit. Yeah, Precious Paul is on the show today. But, hey, first, Joe, before we get into yeah. anything here on the podcast, uh, I really like to address the situation here with the fans of the UK. Right, I was going to get to this. Absolutely, I, I, was, I was scheduled to be on the Wales Comic Con, but I had a uh, a medical mishap. And as all the fans know out there in the wrestling world, 
I've probably missed maybe five shots, five wrestling appearances in 30 years. Mm-hmm. So I don't ever miss. So fans of the UK and Wales Comic Con, Jamie Milner, a good friend of mine, I apologize. Uh, it was an unavoidable situation that uh, for my best health interest, I had, to, I had to skip the event. But I look forward to getting back to the UK, seeing all the great fans, to put on those spiked shoulder pads, be a warrior for a day. But... Uh, once again, I apologize to the fans of the UK. You know what? They they they'll understand you're doing much. You're doing well now. We should mention that that you are you're doing obviously. You know you're sitting here doing this with me. So I'm looking oh, right at who's that? Is that knobs or skags again calling you? <laughs> no, no, it's not knobs. I'm sure it's probably just somebody trying to. Hey, where do I send a photo for an autograph? But uh, no, man. Yeah, I feel great. Uh, I, I feel much better today, and uh, you know, that's uh, good. It is what it is, man. Well, Things happen in life, man. You just gotta, you just gotta tighten up those belts, bootstraps, and and move on. You know, we'll get you back over there at some point. We'll uh, we'll figure out a way to get you back over in the UK for your uh, for your fans overseas, and be sure to uh, be be sure to get you uh, those pictures with them. Oh heck yeah, up, man! Yeah. Hey, listen, it's all about for me now. At this point in time in my career, it's all about giving back to the fans, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, some of the fans. When you look back at the great wrestling events in the UK like SummerSlam 92 where you 90, can't wait 000, to talk about that with 90,000 yeah. people are you kidding me you know so me this is a chance I, I really hate it when I miss an event especially when I go somewhere like the UK because it's near it was near and dear to Hawk and I's heart and uh, I just like giving back to the fans we have uh, you know what we're going to go to the audience quite a bit asking them for questions asking them for stuff we actually have a few questions from the audience we'll get to in a bit but at some point you know we're, we're probably going to go to the audience as well asking them for uh, for topics to discuss here what they uh, see what they want to hear you talk about at uh, at some point so we're going to make uh, we're going to make the audience as much a part of this show as possible I know uh, there, there's a, a Facebook page out there for you that's wanting to to do everything possible to help promote the show, the Road Warriors slash Legion of Doom podcast or uh, Facebook page out there. We uh, we appreciate the work that they are they are doing to get our uh, get this the podcast out there as That's we continue awesome. to uh, keep growing and growing. And uh, I'll, I'll use the wrestling term a bit of a tease, a bit of a, uh, yeah, a tease over big things coming for us in 2018. I think that's important to Joe uh, to promote that uh, that Facebook page because a lot of the fans go to my own personal. You know, Joseph Michael Laurinaitis page, and that's not the one to go to. You got to go to the Road Warrior Animal slash Legion of Doom. You know, yeah. Facebook page. So, and on top of that, we now have we have Facebook and Twitter for the show. It's uh, on Twitter at What a Rush Pod. On Facebook, What a Rush Podcast mm-hmm. with Road Warrior Animal, comma Joe Laurinaitis. I'm sure if you just type in What a Rush Podcast, it's going to pop sure. up there. And, and on STL, find it there. STLpodcast.com. STLpodcast.com right, uh, is our current home for the uh, for the show as well. A lot of different ways you can find us, and also email into the uh, into the show. At as well, you could find uh, you could email us roadwarriorpodcast at gmail.com. That's roadwarriorpodcast at gmail.com. Find the show, as I said, at stlpodcast.com or the way you're listening to it, either iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere podcasts might uh, might be found. Yeah, um, what a rush! Yeah, we have uh, Paul Ellering coming up in just a uh, in just a bit this past week uh, on uh, on Raw, SmackDown, and WWE television. The one thing I want I know, you know, we we've talked about the Roman Reigns, the Jason Jordan thing, but I know I know you have a relationship. We the fans saw I think the biggest thing to come away from this week is a new storyline with a guy that I know you have a relationship with and that's Matt Hardy. Mm-hmm. As he is uh, now it looks like fully broken or as Vince wants to trademark woken. Matt Hardy, uh, you actually were uh, people. Well, for the maybe five people out there that watched Impact Wrestling, when uh, back when Broken Matt and Jeff were were kind of the top guys there, you were actually on part of their uh, their show that they did from the uh, from the Hardy Complex, the Compound. Yeah, you know, uh, we we did a we did a segment. It was uh, you know talking about Ricky Morton. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean and. Uh, <laughs> And Matt Hardy asked me to do some some a, a little segment on there and, and to cut a little promo on it. You know, Matt Hardy's listen. Matt and Jeff Hardy, two great 
entertainers in our business. You know, I, I just saw the other day Matt Hardy is like fully British now. That's with, that's with the, the British he, accent. He's broken. He's what you he's got, broken. You have okay. to go back because again, not many people watched when they were on Impact or when they were on TNA. Not many people watched and still well, don't listen, for the TNA most part. But it, TNA was what it was. Listen, you got to give the people of TNA credit. They're trying. They're still trying. But uh, the viewing audience for WWE is a lot larger. Right. You know. And so the gimmick is that he is, you know, he's snapped mentally. Something has snapped and taken over him. And, and Well, I think Matt Hardy TNA. snapped a long time before turning British. <laughs> yeah. Matt Hardy snapped about 20 years ago. You know, he and his brother Jeb. I mean, I've seen him snap, so I know for sure they were snapped. But yet, you know, uh, yeah, Matt, it's funny to watch him in the ring. Every time I see Matt Hardy throw that elbow to the jaw, and I can tell you what that feels like. Boy, that, that's like a rock hitting your jaw, you know. And uh, it, 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 it's just funny to see him, not only with the little skunk white stripe in his hair, you know, but uh, the Pepe Le Pew look from, from the cartoon right. look. But, you know, it's good to see. Listen, he pulled it off. I mean, he had the British accent down it's, pretty it's, well, man. I tell good. you, on the indie scene, it was huge about a year plus ago. I mean, well, when you did, when, when you were part of uh part of the uh, show that he put on you know i do was, a lot of appearances then I, I see matt and jeff all the time yeah. when i do autograph signings and uh and not not so much now they've been back right. with the wwe but before they re-signed with them man we were all over the place and listen people buy into the hardys and it's funny when you look back at time you know 25 years ago matt and jeff hardy were taking the doomsday off of hawk and i's shoulders yeah and they didn't they weren't even named no and now if if they were to let them run as the top team, they would dominate the tag teams in WWE. Well, no, they did. Yeah, no, they had no. a nice run in for most of 2017. They got the they yeah. got the belts and they got the run. I you know with the whole with the whole woken or broken thing. Well, you know was broken. Now it's woken. Matt Hardy. It it does remind me. And we're gonna you know this will be an entire topic, uh, entire episode when you guys first met Vince McMahon when you guys first came mm-hmm. to the WWF. But this was, I mean, it, now Vince has to own and trademark everything. It wasn't yeah. that way back in the 80s and 90s, but when you guys came over, you couldn't be the Road Warriors because, well, probably, I mean, mostly because of the Ultimate Warrior, I think, mm-hmm. first and foremost. But then, too, I think a lot of Vince wanted to own or trademark you guys as a separate entity, so that's when you became the Legion of Doom. Yeah, you know, uh, Vince's excuse was, hey, we got, we got one warrior here, we got the modern-day warrior going to come in with Kerry Von Eric, and uh, so we don't want to have too many warriors for marketing purposes, and, you know, Hawk and I are going, okay, really? Come on. But, hey, you know, we, we had the Legion of Doom name anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we you know, Drew Paul Ellering, who's going to be right. on today, said, hey, man, Let's uh, let's copyright this name and, and let's make it ours. And we did. And you know that to us, you know Tony Schiavone or whoever would announce Paul Elling presents from the Legion of Doom, Animal and Hawk the Road Warrior. So it was a name we used throughout the first ten years anyway. Right. So it really didn't make any difference to us. Yeah, that's it. Reminded me of that. I you I got to get you to go back and the and uh, you know at least YouTube some of the old stuff they did as Broken Matt and uh, and Brother Nero, Jeff Hardy, when they when they did that, because it is it is really, really entertaining stuff and probably some of the best stuff that's ever come out of TNA and now is making its way into the uh, into the TVs of WWE. Just imagine if they would have had the WWE audience back then. I mean, back when... You we're going to see were, it now. Yeah, You weren't in 2 million homes, but you were in 10 million homes mm-hmm. you know, and 20 million homes at yeah. one time. You know, if they would have had that kind of audience, it probably would have been one of the most most watched and most watched programming ever for WWE. We'll know? see. Hey, we'll see where they go with it. Uh, with it now, it was a nice little, nice little vignette, nice little back and forth between Matt and Bray Wyatt, a guy that you've mm-hmm. known really since since birth as well. Yeah, man. I, I remember Mike Rotundo, uh, you know, had the baby. Right. <laughs> you know, Wyndham Rotundo. You know, and. Uh, you know, it was great to see him. I, I followed him throughout his youth. He when he went to uh, played football at Iowa, and uh, you know, and, uh, and when he was down in uh, Tampa at the time mm-hmm. at the training center, you know, I went down there and saw him. He was actually injured when I was down there, but yeah, but, yeah you do the kid had talent, and look at him now. He's undoubtedly probably the top heel in the company. It, you know. It's 
they, I think they've screwed up a lot with him and sure with what they they've you know, done, they, and I don't well, know they if... they do a lot, yeah. Joe. I mean, I see that a lot yeah. in this business, right? I don't mean to over-talking, but I see this a lot in this business that gets irritating because you give a guy a push, he gets over, and then you cut him off at the ankles. And it happens a lot in the WWE because here's what happens. You'll do three weeks of TV where Vince won't be involved, and then you'll have that fourth week where Vince is involved and says, I want to change gears. And just changes it. And you wasted all this TV time on a guy. Listen, with people putting their phones on or lighters, whatever they have on in the audience with Bray Wyatt, nobody was getting that kind of reaction at the time. Right. Nobody. You know, that was almost similar to uh, Daniel Bryan. You with the yes, yes, yes. It was getting that kind of pop, and then they cut it off. You know, I don't know if he's if they're leery about guys getting that popular. You know, I mean. Listen, there's the thing that when we Hawk and I used to come down to the ring known as the Warrior Pop, the Road Warrior Pop. I don't know if he wants anybody to have that kind of pop anymore. You know what I mean? Because uh, they don't want to let guys get that strong. But, you know, you can see they're going back to old school type ways, though. If you watch some of the shows in SmackDown and in Raw, there's some guys going out there like Strowman beating a guy in 30 seconds. Yeah. That has not happened in 25 years of the WWE. So I'm glad to see them going and really taking heed to that and trying to push talent that way for one thing. We uh, will keep getting into this as we uh, as we go on week by week, get Joe's thoughts on the current product, and uh, but mostly going and taking looks back at things. Uh, as I said at the beginning, you can get in touch with us many different ways, the Facebook page, the Twitter page, and of course on the email. And we had a few people reach out to us, questions for Animal. Charles in Detroit wanted to uh, say that he liked the first episode of the podcast, looking forward to the future shows, said he was lucky to meet you a few months ago at an indie event. Uh, one of the things he said that stood out with him was seeing you sit in the back by yourself watching wrestlers put on a show. He said he couldn't help but wonder what goes through your mind when you watch these matches. Do you reminisce about when you were wrestling in front of 200 fans in a gym? Do you think about what advice you would give wrestlers uh, or what you would have done differently in their matches? Or did you just sit back and enjoy the show like any other fan? That comes from Charles in Detroit. Charles in Detroit. Well, Charles, I'll give you an answer here. You know, <clears throat> most of the time when I go on the road and I do indies, I will get asked almost by every person in the match, especially the guys that really care about the wrestling, um, hey, watch my match and, you know, give me your critique at the end of it. So, that when I'm back there watching, that's what I'm doing. Listen, I've seen enough wrestling in my life over 35 years. You know, I got 35 years of watching matches that uh, I don't really need to watch another match. But I will if somebody asks me and wants to get my critique on it. And that's what I do. I sit back there and I critique. And most of the time, to be quite honest, I'm sitting there going, what in the world? Why did they do that? Because sometimes you get on indie shows and in a part of the wrestling business today, Joe, uh, more is not better a lot of times. <coughs> Excuse me there. More, I think I just swallowed a gnat. More is not necessarily better. Okay? And sometimes on indie shows, you try to do more and more and more to get the fan pop. And not some, a lot of times, it's not about getting the pop. Is why did you get the pop? Why did you get your cheer? Why did you get the boo? Because you have to control the match and tell the story of that match. So that's what I do a lot of times. The fans see me, see me sitting back there watching the show. I'm critiquing matches. And they have to be able to take that criticism, too. They, they have to understand that you've been through all of this, that mm -hmm. you know what works. You've seen what doesn't work. You've seen stuff that you didn't think would work that ended up working. And that's not only for your career, but for other people. I'm sure well, there's you know, countless it, stories where you you know, saw a guy go out there to do something, and you probably thought there's no way this will ever get over. And next thing you know, it's one of the most popular things going on TV. So you know, you've seen and done pretty much all of it. Yeah, I've been pretty much everything you could be through in the wrestling business. And, uh, and I know, especially when I watch tag teams, I know what's going to work, and I know what's not going to work as a tag team match. And when guys go out there and try to do too much, I just, I, I, I tell One thing about me, man, is I'm blunt honest. I'm not going to BS you. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat it. I'm going to tell you, hey, that sucked. And if it doesn't suck, I'm going to say, that's great. You know, so I go both ways with it. Because in every match, there's something that's great. And there's something, especially with young guys, that's going to stink. I've been there. I and Hawk and I sucked. Mm -hmm. And we were horrible, you know, at some points in our match. 
you know, every match is feeling, I call it feeling the temperature. You have to feel the temperature of every match. You know, like, Joe, it, for instance, you got the four corners, right? Little thing. You got to make sure that in your neutral corner, there's an imaginary line drawn in that ring. And you want to keep your opponent on your side of the line because you don't want to give him a chance. <coughs> to Get yourself some water. You're, you're sitting I over know, here. Bro, I know. My water's over there. But, you know. You don't want to give your opponent that much time to go over there and tag his tag his partner. So you got to keep him on your side of the ring. One of the things I look for, but other than that, man, the ladies and gentlemen, Detroit, I watch. Email us Road Warrior Podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at What a Rush Pod uh, is where where we are on Twitter on Facebook. What a Rush Podcast is what you could search for, but it's under the title What a Rush Podcast with Road Warrior Animal, Joe Laurinaitis. Those are all the different ways you can uh, you can find that. We are going to uh, be joined in just a minute by Precious Paul Ellering, the manager of the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom. But first, before we do that, Joe, I want you to be able to uh, sell yourself some sell some shirts out there. Let people know where they can go to find your uh, the, your current shirts. Yeah, Joe, you can go to Pro Wrestling Tees at ProWrestlingTees.com. You know, my buddy uh, Cole Cabana and Ryan started the company. Great guys. Uh, and you get T-shirts done and printed up in an hour, and they ship them right to you, man. We got about twenty different styles there on Pro Wrestling Tees. It's awesome. Yeah, we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get some shirts for the podcast made up and out there in uh, in just a bit. So, so many of these shirts are uh, just uh, so cool to uh, to see the uh, the shirts that you have up there, the animal use shirts, the different face paints that you uh, that you have as well, along with the uh, the Got Spike shirts. So yeah, and, you know, there's a new Dawn of the Dead shirt that just came out, and I just got another one sent to me uh, yesterday. As a matter of fact, kind of a an old school cartoon version of the uh, of the Road Warriors with Hawk and Eye on it. So man, it's going to be pretty cool. Very nice. And again, that's ProWrestlingTees.com. And Joe, uh, it's our pleasure to be joined by our first guest here in the uh, second podcast. And you know what? It's we could have gone. We could have gone with one of the Nasty Boys. I guess we probably could have gone and got Rick Steiner and got him. But we felt no. You know what? We need to make this special. Well, you know, it, 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 in, my, in my opinion, there's nobody that I would rather have to be my first guest than this next guest. To, you know, nobody else is comparable. And, and that is, the back is back. And I remember as a young kid watching that, <laughs> the AWA, when when my next yeah. guest was competing against Jesse the Body Ventura and Precious Paul Ellering. Paul, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's always good to hear you and... Uh, uh, it just brings to mind that we, we just don't get together enough like we used to. You know, it used to be every day for years on end, and now we get to see each other two, three times a year. I know, right? It's like always for, good. For 10 yeah. years, it was like almost 300 days a year, and then it was like cold turkey. We were almost having the, the shakes when we, <laughs> we weren't traveling together anymore. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 had, we had a good run. Heck, we did. Paul, we had a chance a few weeks ago to uh, talk with your daughter in Winston-Salem, and she was mm-hmm. uh, she was talking to us about all the, uh, you know, she remembered growing up, all the traveling that uh, that you guys did all throughout the country, and now she was telling us that that's kind of, uh, that's that's become her life now. Yeah, Rachel's uh, found her way into the business, and uh, she really likes it, and uh, that's all, all, all any parent can ask for. Uh, you know, you just hope the best for them and that they don't get hurt and that they uh, like what they're doing, and she does. And, and, and she'll be very good at it because she's uh, quite an accomplished person, both at, athletically and uh, uh, with her, her uh, degrees in college and stuff. Hey, hey, Paul, isn't it funny as a parent, right, when, when your kid comes to you and say, listen, I'm thinking about getting into professional wrestling, the first thing you do yeah. from a person that's been in the business is you say, no, <laughs> yeah. do not find something. Go be a teacher. Go be a lawyer. Go be a doctor. Something else. And then when they yeah. do it, you know, it's definitely one of these things. Is wrestling business as we both experience. You have yeah. got to have it in your veins and in your blood and love it. 
and, yeah. and that's the way when I when you talk to Rachel, you could see that little twinkle in her eye. She loves the yeah. wrestling business. I mean, she's all into it at hundred percent. Yeah, she is, and uh, uh, you're right. You know, you have to have a passion for the sport, and and that's one thing that uh, always stood out with you is you had a passion for it, and uh, and you were always a, a very proud guy. So you wanted to put the best product out there that you could, and you always did. And uh, so it just takes one to know one. And she said, we, we, we were gonna, we asked her if she wanted to go out for dinner with us uh, that night, and she, mm. she said no because she had to go to the gym. It was leg day. And yeah. Today's I, leg day. <laughs> Boy, I said, what a meathead. Does that sound like the old man or what? They <laughs> said, I got to yeah. go do legs. I can't meet you for dinner. <laughs> After standing for eight hours at, at, at the WrestleCon, or, or WrestleCage, rather. Yeah, I called her up the other day, and uh, she was in the middle of doing step-ups. I said, well, how long are you going to go? Well, Dad, we always go an hour. <laughs> That's crazy, man. I don't know too many girls that can do an hour's worth of step-ups. Yeah. And did you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good time for thinking. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> and she said to did you? She said that you know you were questioning her about whether or not she'd be home for Thanksgiving or not, knowing knowing the uh, schedules you yeah. guys kept her on Starcade. Come on, Paul. Yeah, yeah really. That was uh, one of the busiest times of the year. That and Christmas, and especially with the old territories. And when we worked the AWA, that was that was their big payday uh, time of the year. Was the winter. And it would start out with the Battle Royals, and they'd bring in Andre and and have Battle Royals around Thanksgiving, and and then uh, all the blowoffs, whoever uh, won the Battle Royal would get a shot at Bachwinkle or Ganya or whoever was champion at that time. But the busy time of year, you know. Yeah, man, I tell you, I remember going out and working twice on Christmas Day. You remember some of those shots, working Greenville, yeah. then Charlotte? And it was yeah. just, you know, you, you, you'd have to write a little note to Santa when you have kids and say, listen, Santa, can you please yeah. deliver the presents a day early? Because I got to go work twice on Christmas Day, you know? It was, yeah. uh, it, it definitely kind of, definitely hard on the on the family life, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it was. But it was a way of life, and, and we did it, and... Uh, I don't think they do that anymore. I don't know. Maybe they do, but uh, it's uh, it, it, it was hard. But you know, we did it. We did what we had to do, and, and that's just the way it was. And you were gone for quite some time before your uh, now now run in NXT. The uh, what was that call like? Who who made the call to you to bring you back? And the idea pitching you the the authors of pain were the, was there any comparison in the pitch made to the uh, to the Road Warriors? Uh, it, was, it was totally different. I, I just got a phone call out of the blue, and it was uh, uh, Regal, and and he said, uh, you know, we got something you might be interested in, and it's totally up to you and. And I said, well, what is it? And he laid it out, and he said, uh, if you want, just we'll fly you down here, and you, you just check it out and, and see what you think. And, and so they flew me down and, and uh, toured the facility and and didn't even meet the guys till the second day, and then uh, decided to give it a shot, and, and uh, we're still still working at it. That facility is something else, isn't it? Yeah. But they wanted the they wanted the uh, old school big team, you know, like the Road Warriors were, and and they thought that this would leapfrog them forward, uh, you know, maybe a year anyway, uh, in their development. Just to have me come out with them right away, because uh, they would automatically be attached to the old school uh, big big team and and. Uh, and so we went with it. Well, I tell you what, man. You know, you know, Paul, you and I have touched on this in many interviews that we've done. I've touched on this with Joe here too. Um, listen, those guys have got a treasure in having you with them as their manager. Because I mean, listen, I, I tell everybody in every interview I do, if it wasn't for Paul taking the time to do, the, remember the napkin presentations, whether we were in Shoney's or we were in Denny's. You know, hey, Animal, you're here, Hawk, you're here. And if we didn't have that and got to learn that old school mentality, 
Man, we yeah. I don't know if we ever would have made it as the Road Warriors. You know, it, it would have taken us probably five to ten years longer. But to have that old school mentality and to learn the basics and to learn the respect of the wrestling business, to learn where tag teams came from, who were the great yeah. tag teams before you, makes a big difference, man. And having somebody there to show you the ropes uh, is is incredible, man. And, and those guys are you know, God bless them, man. I wish them all the luck. But, you know, having you there is definitely a big plus for them. Well, you know, with us, it, it was the perfect storm. It was, you know, Hawk and you and me. And and then the, the transition of the business at that time in the early 80s when cables started to spread across the country and, and people saw the product that was uh, other products that were available. And then at that time we were with Turner and – and then, uh, and then Vince, he started to go with, uh, I suppose, USA already at that time. And, and it got to be real competitive. But uh, you guys came along, and you had the right gimmick, the right look. You took care of yourselves. You worked out hard. You were one of the strongest guys in the business, and you had a passion for it. And, and you worked at it. And it, wasn't, it wasn't a gift to anybody. It was. Uh, it, it came from a lot of hard work and a lot of pride, and you wanted to be the best, and you worked to be the best. And we were lucky because uh, we could wrestle the best at that time. You know, we had the four horsemen and and a lot of good teams that we could work with, and and that all helped. And a lot of different styles, you know, because you were big, and you you changed the whole venue of wrestling. It went from the old school overnight. To uh, don't go to the refrigerator because you're going to miss seeing these guys, and it was slam bam in your face, man, and and it was totally new, totally different, and and you were on the cusp of of that revolution, and and that that was pretty special. It's I compare it to like Elvis Presley. There was only one Elvis, but there's a lot of copycats. But there was only one one uh, Road Warrior team. And that was you guys. When they came to you with the idea in the 80s to work with these two, what was that transition like going from being in the ring to going and becoming a manager? Well, I was already managing. I I think I had Buzz Sawyer and I don't know. There were so many that came through. One time I managed, I'd go out every match (laughs) (laughs) on the card. Every match I'd be going to the ring. And uh, it, it, I had uh, uh, ruptured my uh, patella tendon, and then uh, uh, and that happened in uh, Columbus, uh, Georgia. And I was wrestling Robert Gibson in a singles match, and and then I went and I got the surgery, and I was just so doggone lucky at that time that Dr. Jimmy Andrews, who's uh, probably the most renowned orthopedic surgeon there is. Uh, happened to be in Columbus at that time. That was before he moved to Birmingham. So he he operated on me and got it all fixed up. And, and I was living in Louisiana at the time, so I drove back there, drove back with my black van, three-speed on the column. Oh, I remember that so, van. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so you got a clutch, but I, I got my leg in a cast. I can't use the clutch. So I, um, I drove all the way from Atlanta back to Shreveport with uh, the crutch for my leg, and then my other foot could use the gas. <laughs> so- and I made it back, and, and I worked it out and built it back up and uh, took about six months off. And then uh, Ole called me up and said, uh, you ready to get back to work? And I said, well, I guess I, guess I am, you know and uh, go back to uh, Atlanta and uh, had a couple matches on TV right away. And he says, you know, it's you're kind of favoring it a little bit. Maybe we should just back off a little bit. He said, you're really good on the mic. You ever think about managing? And I, at one time, even uh, probably in training camp, uh, Vern Gagne's training camp, I had a premonition dream that I was going to be a, a wrestling manager one day. And... I said, well, I'll think about it. And I thought about it. And I said, yeah, I'll give it a try. And he says, well, be careful, because once you get stigmatized as a manager, 
you know, it's hard to get back to uh, being a wrestler again because everybody thinks he is manager. And I didn't have to think anymore. I just said, yeah, let's do it. So so we went with it, and, you know, I still got in the ring quite a bit, and and uh, and that was that. I can't, 35 years ago, Dr. James Andrews was doing, was doing surgeries all the way back then. Yeah, yeah. And he was uh, very innovative, you know. Right. He had people. He had people in his uh, in the hospital there, they, from all different countries, and all they do is just follow him around. And it was kind of ironic because uh, they, uh, the guy, when I first went to the emergency room, he looks at it that doctor, and uh, he says, "Well, you know, I think it's dislocated." You should be okay in a, in a week or two. <laughs> I said, "Oh, that's that's really good news." I, I was kind of worried because I can only walk backwards. <laughs> you know, I'm dragging it because you can still walk, but you can't bend it, and uh, but you have to walk backwards. You have to slide the foot. And and Andrews comes in there about ten minutes later, and I said, "Yeah, it's, it looks like it's dislocated, huh?" And he goes, "Oh no." <laughs> You got six months, six months. You got a ruptured patella tendon. I said, "What? The doctor that was just in here told me it was this uh, uh, dislocated." He went and got that doctor and brought him in there and just reamed him out. That's awesome. Yeah, he says, "How can you look at that and say it's dislocated? This patella is halfway up his thigh, you know, the kneecap." Yeah, I, I remember. I, I remember when you. What was it, Paul? Thirteen years after you tore your pec, that he reattached your pec muscle. Yeah, yeah, he tacked it up a little bit. There wasn't much to work with then, but uh, you know, I, at least it wouldn't hang so bad. So and he I, tacked it up. You know, you see these guys today too. They're still going to Doctor James Andrews, but just some of the recovery time that these guys yeah. that that some of these guys have. I think one of the most notable ones, I mean, is the biggest name in the business, but John Cena, the way that he is able to recover from some of the injuries that he's had in uh, in his career is just just remarkable. The, the well, that Yeah, med- well, you know, medicine is just leaps and bounds. Yeah, just look what the computers have done to uh, medicine and and uh just the surgeries, you know, of, of robotics and all that stuff. It's it's another revolution. We were we were on the cusp of of the uh, old school style wrestling to the new style wrestling, and now this generation and probably going back eight years, ten years ago, uh, they were they were on the cusp of another revolution. You know, the internet revolution and social media revolution. You know, we so it's pretty nice to. Uh, you know, for me to be part of two great revolutions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's one thing, though, and I'm glad to hear with your team now is going back to the old school. And I think this yeah. is where the wrestling business has got to go because I think they went old school, made a lot of money for the wrestling business. New school made a quick hit money for it. Now I think you see people love to see the old school style and mentality, and it's slowly getting back. Because you, when you watch Raw and you watch SmackDown now, even you know you're seeing a lot of squash matches that you never saw ever with WWE or F. You know, and now you're starting yeah. to see squash matches and giving guys like the Bash Brothers or whatever the name is, the tag team. The uh, Bludgeon Brothers. The Bludgeon, the Bludgeon Brothers. Brothers, Bludgeon yes. Brothers yeah. Bash, same thing. You bash and you bludgeon, it means the same. So, yeah. <laughs> you, know, they're, you know, they are, you know, they just squashed the guys in like 30 seconds the other day on TV. It's good mm-hmm. to see that they're giving the tag teams that kind of spotlight and they're trying to build the tag team division, man. It's, for me, being a tag team guy all my life, <clears throat> it's really good to see that transition. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I think everything eventually goes back to to your roots, to its roots, too. You know, even nature, eventually nature reclaims it to, to what it was before. And uh, it might take, you know, 100 years or so, but uh, nature always reclaims it in its own way, and it ends up in the original state. So, And wrestling's always evolution. You know, it's, it's on the... Uh, cusp of evolution all the time. If, if if people aren't buying it, then they change it because that's just the nature of the business. 
and and so. Uh, you, you know, Paul, it, it, going back, we were talking about you know when, when Hawk and I first started, and <clears throat> you were just getting into the managing end. This Joe was talking about over here. You know, I didn't get a chance to tell Joe this in the beginning. Ole Anderson really was probably more afraid. He didn't want to let Hawk and I open our mouths because I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure at the time there would have been one or two Effenheimers that probably would have flown out by accident. And being on TBS at the time was such a family station. He didn't want to. He didn't want to get reamed by the higher ups and in the TV. So I mean, having Paul talk worked great for us, you know. And it was funny when you look back on how it progressed. I mean, I don't think for the first six months, Hawk and I didn't say more than, "We're gonna kill you," <laughs> you know. And that was it yeah. because we weren't allowed to say anything more than that, you know. Which worked because people were wondering. Geez, are these guys even know how to talk? What are they going to yeah. do? They just beat people up, you know? So it was kind of funny how, <clears throat> you know, how that worked out for us. And it worked out great because you are great on the mic, man. You got to tell a story. And you, you painted the picture even before the picture was even thought of, you know, which was really cool. Yeah, but you guys are really good at it, too. And that, that's what made it work, you know. It's uh, it, it's the great intangible in wrestling uh, if you're a single or if you're a tag team, you got to have that that uh, charisma element. And and uh, when you guys started to talk, that brought it out even more, you know, because you had the look and uh, you had the athletic ability in the ring and, and you were both great talkers. And I always say, uh, as far as the team itself went, you were the, you were the, uh, the train. You were the whole train. And Hawk, he was the whistle of the train. And <laughs> I, I got to be the conductor of the train. Yeah, and that's, that's, true. that's the way we rolled. You know, Paul, you say that, and we're giving, you know, we Joe comes over here and says that you guys would never let him talk back in the day, and now we're giving him a microphone every week. and letting yeah, I him... know, right? Go figure. The, <laughs> the guy, you know, I didn't have more than 15 seconds usually on the mic at a time, and now we're, you know, now we're doing an hour-long podcast. Paul, where, uh, how, how, closely, how closely were you following the product uh, a year ago when they, when they brought you in to manage the Authors of Pain? You know, uh, occasionally, uh, like uh, during the commercials of Monday Night Football, if it wasn't a good game, <laughs> I'd, I'd flip over, you know, just uh, see who's there and what they're doing and stuff. But uh, uh, never on social media. I was, I was not a social media guy. I never tweeted until until I started there <laughs> with Twitter and. Uh, and even YouTube or anything, I never did any of that stuff. Paul Ellering, our guest here on the What a Rush podcast, the first uh, first guest that we've uh, that we've had on the uh, the show. Another uh, you know another uh, thing that came from the talk we had with Rachel in Winston Salem that I'm sure brought back a lot of memories for you, a lot of memories for you as well, Joe, is that she uh, she told us in a few weeks she's going to be going over to Japan. For the uh, for the yeah. first time ever. Yeah, she's real excited about that. And yes. Of course, Japan was a big part of uh, our history because uh, we that was our that was our ace in the hole all, all through the eighties was uh, working for Baba over in Japan and and uh, and we, we would uh, we would sit down at the beginning of the month or the end of the last month and. We'd just figure out a cal- uh, we'd break out a calendar and uh, okay, what what days do you guys want off? And and then we'd have Japan here, and then I'd get calls from the NWA or or uh, like uh, te- uh, Texas, you know, Von Erichs or Puerto Rico or you know a lot of uh, independents or or n- not so much independents, but. Uh, you know, big big operations because there were territories then, and then we just we just hot shotted everything. We we sort of uh, followed uh, Andre the Giant's footsteps because you know he was in a, an attraction, and if he was in a territory for a long long time, you know, he wasn't a giant anymore because people could see him all the time. So they would just hot shot him all over the country, 
And with cable TV, we could do the same thing. And and that's what we did in the middle 80s is we just worked for anybody. We'd go out to Don Owens or, uh, you know, uh, we'd go to Memphis. But we just went to all the different territories. We'd go in there, go to Florida, and and we'd do two, three shots. And, and then we'd, we'd either go back home or go to the next ones. Yeah, we were so spoiled back then. <laughs> I mean, guys, guys today can't do that, right? Because you work for the one company. But <clears throat> I tell right. people all the time because a lot of times on my Facebook and on my Twitter, I get a lot of people all the way from Brussels, Belgium to Montreal to Paris, France, to, you know, to, yeah. to Portland, Oregon. You know, hey man, I remember when you guys were here. You know, wrestling, and that was yeah. one of the things. You know, back to Japan, Paul. I think Rachel's going to do phenomenal in Japan because you know the Japanese are all about family and they're all about lineage. You know what I mean? They yeah. love, they love to have someone whose daughter. You know, I remember Animal Hamaguchi's daughter that was you know, won in a mm. couple gold medals in the Olympics and now she's pro wrestling in Japan. You know, and that was huge. I just think mm. with the yellowing name and and everything else that the, she's going to do really well in Japan and, and her style. I mean, she's not a mm -hmm. typical lightweight woman wrestling you know what i mean she does good stuff in the ring you know so yeah and that makes a difference in the product over there yeah i'm sure she'll do good she's really looking forward to it you know i've seen the japanese culture and and, and their style you know because it is a little different than ours and uh yeah she was saying she goes <clears throat> she goes yeah, my dad's giving me a hard time. I wasn't, I wasn't there for Thanksgiving, and I'm not going to be there for Christmas. And he was mm -hmm. giving me a hard time. It's funny how as we get older, right, we want to spend more time with our kids and our grandkids and everything else. And, uh, yeah. and she said, yeah, well, I, I told my dad. I said, Dad, you were gone every Thanksgiving, every Christmas for about 15 years. <laughs> you know, maybe longer than that. She goes, so, you know, it, it's just it's just yeah. a wrestling business, man. It's just something you got you to gotta just – tighten up the bootstraps and move on you know that's the nature of the business yeah the, the travel uh and i don't travel that much anymore but the, the travel is the work that's the work part of it and and the, at the arena and and the matches that's the fun part of it um but the, the travel is work especially now you know after 9 11 you know, in the '90s and '80s, we would just run right to the gate. Well, and and do you, you remember half the time? Old... Half the time, leaving TV with face paint on. Hawk and I running through the airports. We look yeah. like Hawks that we look like Yelzaba <laughs> and Yelzaba's twin, Devil's yeah. twin, running through the airports. And oh, yeah. the, the elderly people that were in the '60s and '70s look at us like, "My Lord, what are those guys?" Yeah, <laughs> you, you know? just run right to the gate. And... The door would be closing, and they'd get you on, just like that. And, and we'd use old tickets, new tickets. You know, if you had an old ticket and you had about three of them because you only went one way on them, you'd reuse those. Yeah, that was the and, days, man. The airlines used to honor everybody's tickets. You could, if you were flying yeah. American and you had a Delta flight, you could use that American ticket and take that yeah. ticket stock over to Delta, and Delta would accept it and and, and honor it, you know. And now yeah. you, you you miss a flight, that ticket's toast. Oh, geez, and then the lineups, you know. Sometimes, uh, of course, you got that fast track deal. I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, man, you got to get that global thing, and that, that, that's the best way to go. Yeah. yeah, that new one now called Clear. Especially you go right. down to Minneapolis, all you do yeah. is you put your fingerprints on there, take a picture, and then mm -hmm. do an eye scan. And bam, you're out, you're right through security. Really? Right. Two seconds. Yeah. Two seconds, literally. Yeah. Do you? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. With, you, you say you don't travel that much right now. Uh, eventually, the authors of pain are going to get called up. Are you? Is that something you look at it and you're you're looking forward to getting back on the road and seeing what it's like in 2000? Well, I guess it would be 2018 when that uh, potentially could happen. Yeah, I, I would like to get out there and, and uh, uh, you know, get the guys rolling and, and see where see how far it goes. And, and uh, I, I, it wouldn't bother me because I, I, I'm i not in so much of a hurry anymore. <laughs> I get to the airport even two hours before uh, uh, the flight leaves, always two hours ahead. I'm at the gate already. I'm always one of the first ones there. Yeah. And I love to read. 
that's one of the great most things that I I missed about the business uh, was the luxury that it offered to be able to read. But the business has changed so much. I people ask me all the time, oh, "What's different?" Remember when we'd go through the airport? There would be newspapers everywhere. All you had to do was go to your gate and walk by all these gates where the people just left. There'd be newspapers. Oh yeah, there'd be Wall Street journals laying around. Now you can't even find the newspaper. I know New York Times, Wall Street Journal, the Times. They would sit at the gate. Everybody would read them and leave them on the seat for the next person. Right. There newspapers ever. Now now you never see them. Then another thing that that has changed so much is. is that little phone with a GPS in it? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, the first thing we used to oh, do boy, is go get a we go that, get a rent that. car, then we go to a gas station and, and get a map, and then we get directions, and then we go. I, I, I remember Hawk. I, I remember Hawk asking me, "Which way do we gotta go?" And Paul would go, "Let's just head west." Yeah. <laughs> if we're heading west to the town, we're going in towards the right direction. Oh, man, I remember that. Yeah, as long as you got the direction right, you can't be too wrong. Yeah, they have that show on the network now, Ride Along, where they have two or three guys in a in a car and yeah. they have the camera in there. Would mm-hmm. that have been – what what kind of stories would have come out if it was you, Hawk, and uh, Paul all in the uh, the car with a little camera in there? Oh, would that be, would that be great, safe for the TV? We had some great ones because uh, <laughs> Hawk, he was, he was the consummate entertainer. He would do uh, – uh, meanwhile, and, and Animal does it better than me, he, he would do Meanwhile back at the Legion of Doom. Yeah. Meanwhile uh, back at the Legion of Doom. Yeah, yeah I know, man. Yeah. And then he would do. Oh, yeah. And he just, as soon as everybody got boring or somebody was getting tired, we'd go, we need a mean mile. So he'd, he'd start doing meanwhile. I remember we were on the bus for Giant Baba over in Japan, and Hawk would have, you know, of course, knowing Hawk on a day off, if there was a bottle of sake, it wasn't lasting very long. And back then, they would yeah. give us presents, like each of like a three foot high bottle of sake. Oh uh, yeah, and they were. You know, what are they gonna do? Take us back to the U.S.? We can't take it back. So we would just open it up and give it to the boys, and, or Hawk would start drinking it, right? And then you would yeah. see Hawk. All of a sudden, he would be doing his own interview. He would be Eddie Murphy and Walter Cronkite at the same time. Yeah, this is yeah, Walter Cronkite, and then he'd do Eddie Murphy's voice too. And it was the funniest crap, man. If we if that show right along was along now. We would be the number one rated show on cable because they would never oh, yeah. believe some of the stuff that we would have done on the road. There's no way. People would say, absolutely not. It's not possible. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun on those long trips. Yeah, I was We had a pretty I, good deal. I, I would drive at night. Animal would drive during the day. And once in a great while, we'd let Hawk drive. Yeah, but not too often, though. Not very not too often, often no. because the hawk would not pay attention or be doing something he shouldn't be doing while he's driving, and next thing you know, yeah. we're, all, we're we, you could hear the with the side of the road gravel, and we'd say, "Pull the car over, <laughs> <laughs> pull the car over." Either I'm driving or Paul's driving. This is not working. Yeah. Uh, so Paul, what was it about these two that set them apart from from everybody else that allowed them to have the the run that they did? Well, they had the uh, intangibles. Uh, you know, it, it was uh, to steal from Lex Luger. They were the total package. They had the, the look, the body, the athletic ability, and the charisma, uh, which went along with the interview. And it, it was just unbeatable. And they came along at the time when the business was in transition. And it, it was the right place. It was a perfect storm. It was the perfect storm. You know, Paul, I, I tell people, young guys, when I'm on the road, when I go to watch matches at Indies and stuff, and they, they want my critique, and they ask me what separated us, I said, well, here's one thing I know for sure, and I learned this a lot from Paul. One thing you can't teach is charisma. You either no. got charisma or you don't have it. You know, that's just yeah. bottom line. And when it gels together, like you say, the perfect storm with three guys, you know, I remember, I'll never forget when, when Ole told us that very first, we're going to put Paul Eldering with you. 
Heck, man, the best thing that Hawk and I thought, oh, we got another Minnesota guy. <laughs> this is great, you know. And, and uh, yeah, so, so right, yeah. right there, there's a level of comfortability with us. That all oh, right, this is cool. Paul's from Minnesota, especially you know St. Cloud area. You know, uh, yeah. what was that bar used to bounce it up there? The, the um, Press bar. The press, yeah. And, you know, so yeah. Paul's name, not only from, you know, Joe, I followed powerlifting. You know, Paul was a junior national champion in powerlifting. You know? Oh, yeah. No, I remember, the, just quickly, I remember the first time I interviewed James. Because, Paul, I used to do mm-hmm. sports radio here in St. Louis. And mm-hmm. not only would he always talk about his dad and Hawk, the way they powerlifted, he'd always make mm-hmm. sure to throw your name in there as well, that you you kept up with these with these two. So, yeah, it's it definitely yeah. uh, made the, – the word word was uh, made its rounds, well, absolutely. Not only that, and then, then the big angle he had with Jesse Ventura. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it was no secret who what the name Paul Ellering was. So when Hawk and I – when Oli said we're going to put Paul Ellering with it, was it all right? It's awesome, you know. So yeah. it, it it worked out. It worked out well. But yeah, but back. Well, to the- you know, uh, you, you notice the guy. The guys that really make it uh, in in the business are are guys that are themselves, and the gimmick just brings more of it more of it out. But they're always themselves, and you are animal. And Hawk was Hawk, and I was Precious Paul. I mean, we none of us were were acting. We were just playing ourselves and embellishing on uh, using TV to yeah. uh, just put put more personality into you it. You know, I tell that to young guys all the time too. I said, they said, "Where did you get the stuff from the interviews?" I said, "Man, that was sometimes a lot of stuff we would say to the guys in the bar." Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, we would say in the bar when we were bouncing, or if we were in a situation, you know, we that we were our gimmick, and I think that's what you know. We were somebody trying to be. I mean, you know, listen, we weren't an Indian guy trying to be a Samoan, or I'm just using that as an example. I'm not saying anybody's trying to do that, but I'm just saying we we were us. I mean, we were all lifters. We were all athletes. Mm-hmm. We prided ourselves on that. I mean, heck, you did step-ups for an hour during Georgia's championship wrestling, and, and most of the guys in the country that wanted to do it couldn't do it. I think the only mm-hmm. other guy that was doing it back then was Bob Backlund, you know? Yeah. And, and then with the lifting and everything else, you know, and then we start press-slamming guys. and we There was a lot of, I think, with us, when I look back on it, and, you know, I forget a lot of times. I was over in Japan watching some matches on TV when I was doing some personal appearances about a month ago. And mm-hmm. when you look back on it, we were we were kind of, we did a lot of firsts. I mean, with the press slams oh, yeah. and the, yeah. you know, and gorilla press and then the power slams and just 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 yeah. the viciousness. It was just like nobody would, like, there was a lot of great athletes that came before us. Let me, you know, let's not be, let's be honest here. Like, you know, you had Bruiser Brody and, you know, you, you had Stan right. Hansen and you know, a lot of guys over yeah. in Japan, like Ricky Choshu and Masa Saito. So it wasn't like they didn't yeah. see any bad apples or tough guys. It's just that I think with two of us together and then you had a world champion power lifter in your corner as a manager, people were going, oh, holy crap, you got two of them. And then there might be three of them at one time, you know. So I, I think it was, uh, you're right, man, the perfect storm is a good analogy for it. I got I, I got to hear about these step ups because you've mentioned them about Rachel. Now you're talking about you. Okay, so are we just are we talking the stairmaster? Are we talking just one step going over and over More again? Just a, like a regular uh, sitting down chair or a lawn chair or a folding chair, then you're stepping up and stepping down on a chair. So like something you would do like box jumps on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you could do it on the, on the short box, about a foot and a half tall for an hour. For an hour straight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he would do it for an hour straight. Yeah, I did it. I think I did it on TV because the TV went from a 6 to 7. I did an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. 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 That, that's the whole show. That's where Hawk, the whole Hawk, show. Hawk nicknamed him after that. He was called La Machine. Hawk called Paul La Machine because Paul would get on there and do those step-ups, and I'm telling you, it, it, it looked like that Titanic splashed after he was done. It was a big puddle of water laying right below oh because he was sweating like crazy. But, man, hey, he was probably in the best cardiovascular shape of anybody in the business. I mean, I got to admit, yeah. Paul's he was disciplined that way. Wow. Well, yeah, we had a lot of fun. I know uh, when we traveled a lot, we'd – 
be on some of the same runs as Flair, and and Flair liked to work out like that. So we, we'd get up early and, and either do a deck of cards and squats or uh, push-ups or step-ups or something like that. But always, always took care of ourselves first, you know, worked out and... And then went on with the day. Hey, Paul, speaking of Ric Flair, did you watch Flair's 30 for 30? No, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't uh, I haven't seen it yet. One of, the, one, of the, one of the stories they got me to tell on the, on the 30 for 30, <clears throat> and I get questioned about it all the time now wherever I go, was the mm-hmm. flight from Puerto Rico to Portland that we took, you and I, Flair and Hawk. Yeah. When he, when he looked up at the cupboard, he says, Animal, get me my robe bag. <laughs> and he went in the bathroom and he came out with nothing on but the robe and his and his alligator shoes, you know. And because yeah. <laughs> we we were, I was trying to tell everybody, you know, today's flight she couldn't do that. But back then we no. were in the back of a seven fifty seven and it was empty because I don't know how many Puerto Rico Puerto Ricans want to go to Portland, Oregon for one. And so yeah. we were like the only guys in the back of the plane. And, and back then the the flight attendants, not that they're not nice now, but. Heck, back then, if you say, "Hey, have a glass of wine," well, they would have had a glass of wine with you because that's yeah. The, they weren't. Strict. I don't know why, but back then the, the planes weren't as full. Now almost every plane is full, but back then, you know, half full would be average usually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Paul, I know uh, I, 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 we appreciate you uh, jumping on with us and yeah. sharing some uh, some memories with us, starting it here. I know uh, so. We'll see you on TV um, every Wednesday night for NXT on the uh, on the network. And coming up is the the next big event for you guys. Well, I guess no. Next Wednesday, you guys are actually going to be on USA. Yeah, on USA. Yeah, for uh, for holiday for the holiday week. But then the NXT takeover in Philadelphia, right? Coming up in January. Yeah, Philly, and I'm gonna gotta love Philly. Get a big pretzel with mustard on it just for animals. Hey, you got to go down on Pat's Cheesesteak, man. Go down to the yeah. Cheesesteak place, too. You know, hey, Paul, you know, <clears throat> you, you, listen, I, I get asked all the time, Animal, how do you feel about Paul with his new team? And listen, this is the entertainment business, and there's never any animosity. And Paul knows, you know, there, there's much love goes out to Paul and the Ellering family. And I wish the Office of Pain nothing but best, man. I hope they make it. I hope they become huge. Because yeah. at, at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm really comfortable, and I know what Hawk would say the same thing, and Paul says the same thing about how comfortable we are on the mark that we made in this business, and you know, it'll be a long time before that mark ever gets to be made again, you know, as far as tag teams go. So, but I would thought yeah. I wish the authors have paid a lot of luck, and I know with Paul's help, it'll be great to see in the WWE because there's no, there are no managers that come out with tag teams. At all, no. And if they really no. want to go back to old school, they need to have Met Paul stay with these guys everywhere they go, so they get the benefit of the knowledge of Paul being able to teach them day in and day out, like we had. And if that happens to them, no, there's no, uh, there's no shortcuts to success, and I think they'll be very successful if that happens for them. Well, thanks for saying that. Uh, very nice, but it's, uh, it is what it is, and. And uh, we'll we'll give it a uh, the best effort that we can, and and uh, I think it'll be enough. Yeah, as long as they don't throw you a curveball. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much for uh, for your time. We look forward to chatting with you down the road. Okay, thank you, Paul. Thank you very much, bud. Take care, bud. Love you. Love you too, man. That uh, as a wrestling fan, I got to tell you, Joe, that was that was really cool. Uh, but, you know, 40 minutes with Paul Ellering. Joe, we could have went hours with Paul, and I think we're, we're going to have to have volume two, three, four, and five with Paul at least, you know, because, uh, I mean, there are so many stories that Paul and I, Hawk and I did with Paul, and, man, I tell you what, the perfect storm, that, that is the best way to describe Paul and I and Hawk. You know, Joe, back then, you had to <clears throat> realize that it was right at the beginning of all these cable companies started up, so every time there was someone to do a cable ad or, you know, watch DirecTV cable or something like that, Hawk and I were the guys they always brought in with Paul to say that tagline for that cable company. And we actually, I'm, out, I'm proud to say, man, we helped cable companies grow. 
I mean, because at that time, cable companies didn't have anything worth a while on programming except wrestling. And, you know, Georgia Championship Wrestling throughout TBS was a great cable station, and it was a giant at that time. And then they did the merger with Time Warner, and, you know, it grew so huge that uh, it, it was the perfect storm, man. And what a great guy to experience something like that with Paul Ellering. If anybody gets to do personal appearances when Paul and I are doing them together because we're getting ready to do a lot of appearances together, I know we're going to go to Japan together here soon. I'm trying to figure that out and get that schedule down. But uh, come meet myself and come meet Paul Ellering, man, because it's definitely a treat. He's one of the great human beings in the wrestling business. we got to get that schedule of yours uh, locked down so we know where you're going to be and what we're going to be uh, doing because, uh, well, we got to plan out this podcast, Joe, over the next, uh, next several months. I, I can know. tell you this. I'm going to tease this. We have something really, really special planned in the month of January for this podcast. But we got to get through December 1st yes. and uh, coming up in two weeks. Right after Christmas, you are going to be up in Belvedere, Illinois on December 26th. And then on December 27th, you are going to be in Madison, Wisconsin for, uh, for events, back-to-back events uh, up there. Yeah, man. Looking good to get back to that part of the country, man. Love to be in the great state of Illinois. Go Bears. And then in Wisconsin, you know, the old AWA stomping grounds, you know, and home of Crusher and Bruiser and... Uh, it's always great to see the great fans of Illinois and Wisconsin. So it's uh, it's going to be a a good week for professional wrestling. A lot of a lot of the great guys on the card too, man. You're going to see the Godfather or Papa Shango, whichever character he wants to be, and you're going to see the Boogeyman. The Boogeyman will be there too, man. So it's, it's going to be a great event. Good, good. Good Christmas presents for the mm-hmm. fans, man. Get some good autographs. Swoggle, Sandman also will uh, will be up there. I'm going to be joining you up there in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm going to make the trip up to Madison with you. We're going to do some interviews for the podcast up there on uh, on that day for to uh, for, for our show that week. So uh, cool. really looking forward to uh, to going up there and doing that. So that is uh, that's what we have coming up next week. We'll uh, we'll post it on our social media as to uh, what. Uh, what the topic will be for next week's show, but we have a pretty good idea of what we're going to be doing for the next several several weeks as this continues to uh, to grow. As we said, you can uh, find us on the STL Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com, or download us on iTunes or Google Play. On Facebook, it is the What a Rush Podcast with Road Warrior Animal Joe Laurinaitis. On Twitter, at What a Rush Pod. And of course, your questions always welcome on either of those two places, or you can shoot us an email. Love those questions. Road Warrior Podcast at gmail.com. That's Road Warrior Podcast at gmail.com. And be on the lookout for the Water Rush Podcast uh, shirts and apparel that we're going to be coming out with in the next weeks, in the next uh, few weeks to come. Joe, that's uh, that's going to do it for us on today's show. As we have, uh, we, we went uh, a lot longer this week as we had uh, Paul Ellering on, and uh, we really appreciate him jumping on and joining us for uh, for the forty minutes that he did. Yeah, man, it's always great to talk to Paul, and I live to give a, another thank you to Paul Ellering for taking time out of his day because I know in this business time is precious. And uh, at the end of the day, Joe, you know, when talking to a guy like Paul, you know what it is, man. It's Oh, what a rush.